Welcome to the Get in the Fight podcast. My name is Nate Whitson, and I'm the founder of Get in the Fight Ministries and our exclusive online fight club for Christian men. Everything we do here is dedicated to helping Christian men become the men that God meant for them to be. So if you're looking for helpful content and conversations that can help you to grow and become the man that God made you to be, then you're in the right place. But before we get started, please do me a huge favor and be sure to subscribe, click the like button, and then leave us a five-star review. Doing that helps us to reach more men who are looking for content just like this. Also, if you'd like to learn more about our mission and how to get involved or how to join the Fight Club, then head on over to getinthefight.club. That's getinthefight.club and learn more today. But without further ado, it's time to get the fight. So let's go. Hey guys, this is Nate Whitson with the Get in the Fight podcast. And today we're talking about how to navigate the LBGT conversations and issues and questions that are coming up and, and how to help our kids process what's going on, process what they see and hear and what they're learning. And as Christian men, we know we ought to uh, be the leaders of our home. We need to spiritually lead and get in front of this conversation and do so in a way that honors God and honors people and honors our faith. And so I very humbly and cautiously go into this conversation because I know what a hot fire issue it is. I know that it is not something that the rest of the world sees the same way and we are definitely in a time that's very combustible so conversations like this can get you in a lot of trouble i certainly don't hope for that but i feel like as a men's ministry we have to help equip other men to lead and how to navigate these conversations because if we can't then how can we expect our kids to so with a lot of grace and humility i want to go through this conversation and, and highlight some things that stand out to me as a dad. I have told you this before again, but I'm not a pastor. I am not trained. I certainly am just an everyday dad like you, like most of you. But what I am is a believer that God has given us all that we need through his word. I don't believe you have to be a pastor to understand God's word. Uh, we don't need it to be translated from another pastor necessarily to understand God's word because God lives in us and the Holy Spirit guides us in all truth. And that's not to discount pastors. I guess ultimately what I'm saying is that I want you to take what I'm saying and whether it's me or your pastor or another podcaster or a book you're reading, uh, that you should test it all against God's word. Test it and see if the things that I'm suggesting are saying match up with what God is saying to you through his word. I think we should do that too. Again, all pastors or leaders or teachers, podcasters or anybody else. And so take what I'm saying in this podcast or any other and match it up. Understand God's word. Read it for yourself. Ask the Lord to give you wisdom in these things and he will guide you with that. So again, with that as a backdrop though, I want to do the best that I can to at least start a conversation for Christian men many guys are asking like, how do I take this on? What do I do? How do I be proactive about this? Where do I start? And so that's kind of where I want to just give some guidelines to this and share a few different ideas. There's five different things that I want to highlight to you, areas for you as a dad or as a family to help navigate the LBGT conversations that are happening, whether you're talking about it with your kids or not. So the first thing I want to do is I want to go to the Word of God. 
I want to look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28 first. And it says this, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So early on, in fact, in the very first chapter of the book, we see that God has made human beings in his image, and there were two genders. There were two sexes, male and female, and God created this complementary pair in order to, as we see in verse 28, be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth and govern over it, reign over it. This was the original design that we'll come back to, but it's central to one of the foundational truths of how we navigate LBGT conversations. The second one that I want to take you to is in 2 Timothy chapter 2. So in 2 Timothy chapter 2, we're going to read verse 23 through 26. And it says this, Again I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts, and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. So there's two different truths here that I wanted to start this conversation with today. The first one, again, is that God has made human beings in his image with a original intent or design that male and female would be perfectly created in such a way that they could create offspring in the image of God that he made them and that they would fill the earth with these image bearers of God. Okay? That's the first truth, the most foundational truth in this conversation. But we see later in Genesis that there was the fall. There was uh, this time where these people created in God's image believed a lie. And the devil set up a trap for them and said to them early in the garden, did God really say that? Is that really what God was saying? I don't think so. And he sets this doubt and this trap in their lives, this sin that all of a sudden introduces chaos and trouble. And in 2 Timothy, what we read here is that people have not been able to yet escape the devil's trap and they've been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. What we are seeing played out, I think, is that we are seeing in the LBGT conversation and any other thing that is opposed to God, that the devil has laid a trap and people are prisoner to that deception. And because of that, they're held captive to this where they can't or won't get out of the trap. And so as Christians, then we have to, number one, hold to the fact that God created male and female. There isn't in the Bible any confusion about whether or not there's more than one gender. There's not confusion in this. There was a clear design, an easy to understand design, and in fact, a very common sense 
design and a scientific design for how God made male and female. And what he tells us is that there's purpose in it, that we would rule and reign and multiply throughout the earth and produce godly offspring. Anything outside of that original design then is causing confusion and chaos. And that's really what we see. And this is simply an extension of that original sin in the garden. And so one of the things that we need to look at here is the rules of engagement on how to address this truth. We have to understand what this is. So in the military, rules of engagement have to do with whether or not you can fire back at the enemy and, and what those rules are for engaging with the enemy. And so with the rules of engagement, it, it's something simple like this. You cannot shoot at the enemy unless they are firing at you first. That would be a really basic rule of engagement. But what's interesting is in war, the United States, for example, is holding itself to a higher standard. It's holding itself to rules of engagement that are right and fair and true. But the enemy does not. And I think this is what's fascinating. The United States holds itself to a standard of rightness that other armies do not have to, or they don't play by any kind of rule of engagement like that. They simply are there to destroy and to eliminate. And so in saying that, it's very similar. It reminds me very much of uh, our conversations about things like this. Now, our enemy, to be clear, and I think this goes without saying, but I'm going to say it, the enemy in this case is not people. The enemy is the devil who from the very beginning in the garden has set up this trap to pull people away from God's original design. And so one of the truths that we hold dear as a believer is that the enemy is the devil. It's not that person that we disagree with their lifestyle. It's not uh, an attack against or a hatred towards any human being. That is against what scriptures teach. That is against the way of Christ. But in speaking truth, what it does is it causes a dividing line and it does cause tension. It does cause hurt because the devil who's behind it is seeking to destroy God's original plan. And so one of the things we want to look at here as parents is what are the rules of engagement for this conversation? What are the rules for us as Christians that we are holding ourselves to to be able to have a conversation in the public sphere with our kids about addressing uh, this important conversation. So we are looking at this and saying, look, people can talk about this any way they want to. We can't control how other people on social media, in the public school system or any other place talk about this. The only thing that we can do is operate by God's rules of engagement when it comes to navigating LBGT conversations. And so we're going to look at just a few things. Number one, when you're talking to your kids about these and you're helping them navigate these difficult conversations, we want to really just start with the basics. The basics really are Genesis chapter one. In the beginning, God created male and female. And when we look around, we can see how obvious that is. One of the big things that is happening in our world is that people are not looking at what is obvious. They're looking at something that is very subjective, like feelings. And what they're saying is that if I feel like a different gender, then that's what's true because that's how I feel. But we can teach our kids that that doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Just because something, somebody feels different 
doesn't mean that that's the essence of who they are. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't match up with life or common sense or even science to say that just because I feel a certain way means that it's true. What we turn to in the basics is that God's word is true. And so one of the things that I would tell you is that you can point kids to the basics of God's original design in Genesis. Why did God make man? Why did God make woman? What was God's original plan? We can see all of that there in Genesis chapter one. We can start talking to our kids about the basics, about how men and women were made different, but they are perfectly fit for one another. God created men and women to be able to reproduce. It can't work with women and women. It can't work with men and men. And it doesn't work if everybody just decides to change whatever gender they are on their own. So God had a, a design that we can see. It's obvious. It's clear. And it's for our good. We can also just teach our kids to think about sex in the right kind of way. This is probably a podcast for a different time, but when you understand sex in marriage and you understand God's original design, it only makes sense logically that God really did create male and female for a very specific design and for a very specific reason. So the very first thing I would say is as dads, as Christian men, start with the basics. It just makes sense. Scientifically, logically, and with common sense, God's word explains that we were made male and female and that marriage and sex work perfectly the way that God created us for his purpose. And his purpose was big, that we could create offspring who are image bearers of God and we could spread that throughout the world. It doesn't work any other way. And so we don't have to make it any more complicated than that. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the conversation so far. And if you are, please do us a huge favor and be sure to subscribe, click the like button, and then leave us a five-star review. It only takes a few seconds to do this, but it makes a huge difference for us. And it helps us to reach more men who are looking for content just like this. Thanks so much for listening and helping us out. Now back to the show. The second thing that we need to consider as dads is just having open conversations. I know that when it comes to talking to kids about things like this, it's uncomfortable. But what stands out to me so much now is that whether or not it's uncomfortable for you, we really have to get past that, I guess. Your kids are, are seeing it on Instagram and TikTok, on commercials on TV now. I mean, they're just, it's unbelievable. You can't escape it. And so for us to not have open conversations is to really just allow all of the other talking heads to have the only conversation with your kids about this. So one of the key things that I would say to you as a dad is don't freak out if your kids are confused. I mean, wouldn't you be confused if you grew up in the same time frame as them with all of the technology and conversations and the openness to it, the push even for it? And imagine if that was you at 9, 10, 11, 12, and I'm sure even younger. Imagine if that's you when you're in a public school setting and there are uh, people that are really pushing it in front of you and they're people that you care about. I mean, th this is the other thing. Like one of the things that makes this conversation difficult is we care about a lot of these people who are struggling with or identify with the LBGT lifestyle. These are people that your kids are going to school with and going, gosh, I really like Billy or I like, you know, Jane, <laughs> whatever. And and it's confusing to them because of that. How can this thing be so bad 
and yet I really like this person. That's confusing for a kid. So don't be freaking out on your kids when you start to open up with them and have this open dialogue with them and find out that they're confused. Understand that this is confusing to a kid, but understand that God does speak. And so this is where it's important that we look at, you know, for example, Colossians 4, 6, that says, let our conversations be full of grace. We let these conversations come. We don't avoid the conversation. We simply take them on and we give a, a safe spot for our kids to be able to discuss this stuff with us. And so my encouragement in this is that you need to be engaging in the conversation and you need to listen actively. And that means really just allowing your kids to share what's on their mind, allowing them to be able to speak to you about this without freaking out, without overreacting or without shutting it down or just saying like, you know, God's word said it, that's it, let's, let's be done. And I think that's, you know, an old school approach to this. When it gets uncomfortable, a lot of guys just shut it down and it leaves your kids thinking, well, there's just some things I can't talk to my dad or my family about. We don't want that to happen. So we want to, uh, again, understand the basics of God's original design, but we want to have conversations that are full of grace. We want to understand where our kids are coming from, and we can't do that if we don't have open conversations with them. The, the third thing that stood out to me is that we need to teach kids what God says about loving people who are not like us. What does the Bible say about uh, loving our neighbor, loving our enemy. Well, if you look at Luke chapter 6, starting at verse 27, Jesus says some very specific things that I think we need to talk about when it comes to navigating the LBGT conversation. And this is what he says in Luke 6, verse 27. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will be truly acting as children of the Most High. For He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate, just as your father is compassionate. That's pretty amazing. You know, the, the conversation about teaching us to love our neighbors isn't a simple thing to do, first of all. The Bible says here that God, your father, is kind to those who are wicked. And isn't that true? He is kind to those who are unthankful. And what's amazing about the scriptures is that this is the hard route to go and it ought to be accepted by the whole world because we are addressing something that we disagree with, but we are not saying that we hate people. In fact, we are to be those that love our enemies. We are to be those who do good to those who hurt us. We are to be those who bless those 
who are cursing us. We are to be those who pray for people who hurt us. We are to be the kind of people that when they take something from us, we offer even more. This ought to be a message that the world embraces, and of course we know that it won't, but the attitude and the response that we need to demonstrate and then also just teach our kids when it comes to navigating this, it's transformative. It's world-changing. It's so difficult to do, and yet it's the way that God is. So when we love our enemies and do good to them, the Bible says that we are acting as children of the Most High. We are the image bearers of God who is compassionate and kind to the LBGT community because he created them in his image, male and female. He created them. He has great purpose for their lives. And we want our kids to understand that loving our neighbors isn't just with words, but it's loving them in deeds. It's loving them by doing good, offering them not only just compassion, but help. It's being involved in people's lives who are not like us. And I think what we need to teach our kids when it comes to loving our neighbor is that just because we disagree with them, because we don't like what they're doing or how they're living, it does not mean that we hate them. And that's a good message to tell our kids. We disagree with it because God disagrees with it. We disagree and are sad for them to be missing out on all of the blessings that God has for them. And we will disagree with them forever and ever on this because God disagrees with them because he has better plans for them. But it doesn't come from a heart of hate. It comes from compassion and kindness because that's how God is to us and to all who don't deserve it. And here's the thing, again, as as Christians, we understand. You and I don't deserve God's kindness or mercy either. And so when we read the scriptures, when we read through the book of Romans, we see that all have fallen short. All are undeserving. All have fallen away and are imperfect. Every single one of us, every one of us listening to this, every kid of ours in our home that we're chatting with has to understand that by God's grace and mercy alone, his kindness to the undeserving, that is the only way to salvation. And that is true for me and you and for every LBGT identifying person. And so we need to encourage our kids to read through a passage like that and see what they think. Read the passage, Luke 6, 27 through 36, and just talk about that passage with your kids. Talk about how you can disagree, but you can't be hateful. You have to love your neighbors in the way that Jesus did. So we need to encourage that. We need to share examples from Scripture. You know, the story of Zacchaeus is another one. Jesus interacted with people who lived very different from the way that God had designed. And we can see from the way that Jesus lived his life how he treated people like that. Zacchaeus is a good story there. The woman at the well is a good story there. You know, so there are conversations that we can have where God has demonstrated both love and grace at the same time. And he, he told the truth, but he didn't um, affirm the lie. He didn't affirm something that was ultimately harmful or hurtful to somebody else. And, and that's the example you know, that we can have too. The fourth thing I wanted to share then was that setting boundaries is important. Talking to your kids about boundaries. So boundaries when it comes to technology, I think is a key one. Helping them to navigate this means that you're going to have to make sure you see the things that they're seeing, that you are hearing some of the things that they're hearing. You know, we can't be at school. If your kids are at public school, 
but you can't control the conversations that they're having there. And so boundaries with uh, certain kids, and this gets really tricky because kids are like, well, how am I supposed to be the light if I can't be around anybody who's different? Well, this is one that requires some grace and wisdom here, but there has to be a conversation about boundaries with your kids, boundaries with technology, the things that they listen to, the things that they're seeing, uh, the people that they're uh, being influenced by, but also boundaries in the relationships. Uh, especially when it comes to sexual activity, you know, outside of marriage, we need to teach them the importance of setting boundaries in all of these different categories, you know, help them to understand that also that there's a distinction between uh, love and compassion and not affirming a sinful behavior. See, like we can, we can create boundaries with people and still be understanding of them. So what I like to do is be a good student. I want to study things like this. I want to hear conversations like this one we're having here. I want to understand where the other side is coming from so that I can understand and respond appropriately to a conversation like this. How do, how do people get to this place? What is happening in the heart of a person who is LBGT? What's, what's gone on in their story? I want to understand that more. But understanding should not lead to accepting or affirming. We hear that word a lot, that we want to affirm these differences. Well, what's interesting in that is teach the kids that when somebody says that they want you to affirm them, why do they not have to affirm you? See, it's very one-sided, and we want to teach our kids some of these things and teach them to have boundaries with these conversations because it's not a fair fight the way that it's presented. You have to affirm the world according to its standards, but they don't have to affirm your beliefs or, or truth, but you're supposed to only accept theirs. And so again, we can't do that. That's not living in truth. It's not loving or compassionate, for example, to allow somebody or affirm something in somebody that is ultimately harmful to them. It's kind of like saying it would be unloving to tell my two-year-old not to play in the, in the road where all the cars are coming because it's their own choice. You know, it, you would say, well, that's, that's also stupid and unwise and foolish and harmful to that child because that child doesn't know how to respond to the oncoming traffic the right way and it could get hurt or killed. Well, that's really what we're saying here too is they don't understand that they're playing in the road with something that is dangerous and deadly to them. And so we can't affirm something that's harmful or hurtful to people that we think is, is wrong. Now, again, they can disagree with us and that's fine. But what the world is trying to do is say, you must affirm what I believe, but I don't have to affirm what you do. And that's unfair. And so we teach kids that we create boundaries between understanding something and affirming something. We create boundaries in our relationships. And if we have people that are just, you know, pushing a lifestyle or an agenda on us that is contrary to God's way, then we create boundaries and separation from those people, not because we're trying to only surround ourselves with people who speak what we want to hear, but because we don't want to be influenced or have our kids be influenced uh, by those that are really trying to push something on us that they're not prepared for. And so creating boundaries is key. We want to share with them, again, this really important lesson that we learn in John 1, verse 14. We see that Jesus was full of grace and truth. So what I love about this passage in John 1, 14 is that 
Jesus didn't go to one side or the other. And this is kind of like where I think a lot of us tend to go. We tend to go all the way to grace in some cases. And we see this in a lot of progressive or liberal churches and, and thinkers where God is only love. God is uh, like open to anything you want to do. He's so loving. He accepts you just like you are. He doesn't want you to change. It's all grace, no truth. Jesus didn't go just truth. And I, you know, like a church I grew up in was like, we're going to tell you the truth. I don't care what you think. I don't care about your feelings. I don't care if I'm being pushy. I'm just going to tell you the truth. Take it or leave it. It's up to you. Few there be that find it, blah, blah, blah. We don't want to be on either side of that extreme. What's amazing about our Savior was that he was perfectly full of both at the same time. And it, it, makes, it makes me think of the woman that was caught in adultery. So we read that story in the scriptures and we see that it was clear that she was guilty. Interestingly enough, the guy wasn't brought out, only the, only the woman. But either way, Jesus confronts her in her sin and tells her, stop sinning, stop living like this. But then he says, but I don't condemn you. So in that passage, we see grace and truth lived out to the fullest. Jesus was compassionate and kind and merciful. That's just who he is. That's, that's how God is. But Jesus says, but you also have to stop. You can't just stay on this path. You've got to stop living this way. And so teaching our kids interactions like that is, is critical. Jesus had the ability to perfectly demonstrate this balance of grace and truth. We're going to understand the truth. We're going to have lots of grace. And we're going to trust God ultimately to do what only God can do in the end. The last thing here that I just wanted to say for today's conversation was just the importance for us to model biblical truth in our own home and in our own lives. You know, there are so many studies that point to the fact that um, a parent, although as, they, as our kids get older, we don't know if this is true, we don't feel like this is true, a parent, though, has so much more influence over our kids' decisions and lives than we think. And so when we live as biblical Christians, when we trust the full word of God to guide and direct our lives, and we live in response to Luke chapter 6, loving our enemies, and our kids see that, when they see that we are generous with our money, because that's what God teaches us to do, when he sees that we are kind and compassionate and we are giving and all these things, when we live the best that we can according to biblical truth, it will have an impact in our kids' lives. The same is true, though, for those of you listening that are very casual Christian. When you say that you're a Christian, but you don't know how to navigate a conversation based on biblical truth, what you're telling your kids is that there isn't an answer out there. What you're saying is, I believe in God, but I don't know that God has anything to say about this. And so your kids are left to go find truth somewhere else. And again, we know that there is no truth outside of God's way. So we have to, number one, be people of the book. We have to be men that understand and are diligent when it comes to searching the scriptures for navigating conversations like this and any other. Do you know God's word? And are you living according to biblical truth? It's so, it's so, so important that we model that for our kids. And then we need to share with the kids conversations like this. And so modeling it is having open conversations, which we've already talked about. They need to see us loving our neighbors. They need to see how we uh, joke or don't joke about these conversations. And I know I can be guilty in this, and you probably can too, 
of I can like, for example, maybe not joking, but I'll see stuff and I'm kind of just disturbed by it or disgusted by it, discouraged by it. And I might make a comment like, you know, that's just disparaging of somebody else. We have to be careful of that because that's where our kids will take that example that we're setting and be disparaging of other people too. We need to share the truth and live our lives in such a way that our kids see Jesus in all that we do. And so, again, start with the basics. When you're navigating this conversation, what was God's original intent and design from Genesis chapter 1? What is God's uh, idea for sex and for marriage? And you could read in Matthew chapter 19, where Jesus says, God created men and women for this purpose, and whatever God has brought together, you shouldn't separate. Teach them from Matthew 19, Jesus' thoughts on marriage and sexuality. Have open conversations was the second thing we talked about. Let your conversations with your kids be full of grace and truth. And don't freak out when your kids are confused. In fact, understand that they are, and you would be too. So have compassion in that, but have open conversations. Know where your kids are at. Know what they're hearing. Teach your kids to love your neighbor. And listen, all of our neighbors are not kind, compassionate, and great. And yet God doesn't give us any wiggle room. When, that, when you read that passage in Luke 6, it says, love your enemies, do good to them. And we need to teach our kids that. But, but we also need to teach them the boundaries. We need to let them know that just because we disagree doesn't mean that we hate. And because we think it's different from what, what is best and most loving for them, then we can't affirm at the same time. So we create separation between understanding how a person feels, but also understanding what is true and right and best for them. And so we don't affirm or accept things that we think are sinful or wrong for them or for the world. And then the last thing, again, is just modeling it. We have to model for our kids what it looks like to live by God's word. We have to know God's word and we have to live it out because our uh, ability to discuss these things out loud with our kids will teach them how to discuss these things out loud with their friends. They need to see that you as the parent model love and grace and truth in a biblical worldview. So those are just a few of my thoughts on this to at least get the conversation started. I, I'm sure we'll have more here. But the, the big thing is, is you can't run from this. You can't run from uh, a difficult conversation like this. We have to uh, take it on. We've got to lead as Christian men. Uh, our kids and our families and our world really is looking for us to take on these very topics, the things that are right in our face. How do we deal with this? What are we supposed to say? What should we do? But I'm sure I missed some things. So consider yourself like these are some things to help you get started. But what else did I miss? You know, add those things to your conversations. The biggest thing is, is at least have a conversation. So my encouragement to you is to get into the fight. This is a fight, but not against a flesh and blood person. These are all people that are captive to the trap and the, the, the destruction that the devil has laid out in front of them. And we need to be compassionate and kind to them. But getting in the fight means that we've got to take on these conversations in our home and in our communities. And we don't want to back down from truth, but we want to address it with grace. And we need to teach our kids how to do the same. Hey guys, thanks so much for being here today and listening to the show. Please be sure to head over to the website at getinthefight.club. And before you go, if you haven't already, please subscribe, click the like button, and leave us a positive five-star review. It makes a huge difference whenever you do. Have a great day. 
go get the fight.